0: This podcast is brought to you thanks to the generous support of Whistler Blackcomb, leaders in delivering adventure.
1: Uh, So like I I recall going down into the Grand Canyon um, on a hike and I was probably overprepared. I had a satellite phone, I had extra bottles of water. I love at the Grand Canyon at the visitor center, how they rate the trips on uh, the board. It has a number of sandwiches and the number of water bottles. Bigger the trip, more sandwiches, more water bottles.
0: This is Delivering Adventure. This is the podcast that explores what it really takes to share adventure like a pro, with your friends, your family, and as a profession. My name is Chris Capio, and I'm coming to you from Whistler, British Columbia. For the past 30 years, I've made a career out of delivering adventure in the mountains, on snow, and on the water. During that time, I've helped thousands of people to push their limits and to achieve things that they felt were beyond their abilities. I've also trained hundreds of adventure guides, built training programs for guiding organizations, and I've written a book called The Power to Influence. Now I'm turning my attention to launching this podcast. Joining me as my co-host is my good friend, Jordy Shepard. Jordy is an internationally certified ACMG IFMGA mountain guide, guide trainer, an avalanche educator, rescue specialist, and a former park warden and park ranger. Jordy currently serves as the Vice President of the Association of Canadian Mountain Guides, where we have been working together on the Board of Directors. In addition to all of his work in the adventure guiding industry, Jordy also runs a successful real estate company in Canmore, Alberta, where he currently lives with his family. In this introductory episode, Jordy and I are going to set the stage for what you can expect to hear on this podcast going forward, and why this is valuable to you. Well, here we are, Jordy, episode one. Finally, how does it feel?
1: Well, Chris, uh, I don't need to tell you, (laughs) but I'll tell our audience here. Uh, Yeah, it's it's great to to be launching this project. Uh, It's been a long road. quite, quite exciting and, and a lot of learning. Um, you know, there's been, there's been the tech side of things, uh, that we've had to work through. We don't have, uh, we haven't had a lot of advice or when we don't have a producer, it's just two of us with our microphones and our computers and, uh, just, just trying to uh, get this project off the ground. And, uh, it's, it's really been, uh, amazing to have, uh, realize that we have all this connectivity in the adventure industry, and the more we we reach out uh, through this season and then uh, through subsequent seasons, it's just, it's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of us that deliver adventure all around the globe. And uh, yeah, it's just exciting to be, feel like a a small cog in a very large, complex set of wheels and, uh, and trying to, you know, help, help people get together uh, on this idea of how do we deliver adventure?
0: Yeah, it's pretty amazing, Jordy, to consider that neither of us started off as podcasters. And here we are uh, with our own podcast. It's also fair to say that this has been a large adventure for both of us. Can you outline for our listeners how we even got here?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's mostly your fault. Uh, I guess it started about, (laughs) yeah, probably almost three years ago now when we work we worked together to deliver an online training session for the Association of Canadian Mountain Guides the ACMG as a uh, professional development session and you asked me to uh along with some others to help out with that and uh, as i recall the title of the session was delivering adventure
0: yeah that's funny Uh, I had forgotten about that. You know, we went through almost 100 different names for this podcast, and that is the one that we finally ended up settling on. We ended up really going full circle there. So it's the end of September now, and I think I pitched the idea of doing this podcast sometime back in January. What was it about this project that interested you?
1: Well, I've always had an interest in mentorship. I actually started the mentorship committee within the Association of Canadian Mountain Guides. And uh, pitched that idea to the board of directors a number of years ago, and we do have that in place now. And I, I feel like this is um, this is a piece in the mentorship uh, progression is for us to uh, bring on a, a bunch of folks who do things in all walks of the adventure industry and uh, and how they how they do it. And I'm constantly learning as as we do this. Uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but only you know. Not very many talk about the, the how to uh, from the perspective of the experts. Um, and and you and I, Chris, are experts in our in the field of delivering adventure. And we so we come from that perspective. But we also get the opportunity uh, to bring together uh, all these other different people and from some industries that we're not as familiar with, as you'll see uh, through the coming season. Uh, we get to interview these experts and uh really uh, make something to a, that appeals to a broad audience. so this is uh, for guides, parents, sports instructors, uh, and coaches, recreational enthusiasts uh you know kind of there's a little bit of some every something for everybody here uh, I think there'll be takeaway messages uh, in every episode, and there's going to you know a lot of discussion on things like the topic of risk and uh, and some hammering down some individual skills, uh, for example. Uh, And we, at some point, we're all leading ourselves and others through situations that are challenging. And the idea of producing a podcast that helps people to do that better really appealed to me. So I guess one of the first things we should talk about is what is adventure? And what does delivering adventure even mean? That is the title of our podcast here. So Chris... What is uh, What does delivering adventure mean to you?
0: Well, Jordy, it should come as no surprise that I've given this question a lot of thought. To start with, I think each of us has a slight variation of what an adventure is. If you asked 10 people for their definition, you probably get 10 slightly different answers. However, if I were to put forward a definition of adventure that encapsulates all of the key components it would sound something like this. An adventure is an experience that has an element of adversity that pushes us outside of our comfort zone and ends well. This means that adventures can include learning new things, traveling to new places, pushing ourselves to perform at a higher level, taking risks, and generally just challenging ourselves. Viewed this way We can experience an adventure participating in outdoor sports, on our vacations, in our work and business lives, and at home. While adventure is often thought of as something we experience doing high-risk activities in exotic locations, in reality, our lives are full of adventure. We break it down, and adventure has three things that are universal. Adventures require us to overcome adversity. That that adversity tests us in some way. And that experience is remembered as being positive afterwards. When we talk about adversity, we're referring to risk, discomfort, challenge, hardship, or even the unknown. When we talk about that adversity testing us, Referring to the feeling that we get when we push ourselves outside of our comfort zone. That feeling is usually excitement, but it can involve a level of stress or anxiety. However, to avoid having an experience become a misadventure, the experience needs to be managed in a way that doesn't overwhelm us, because at the end of the day, the experience has to be viewed as being positive. When it comes to delivering adventure, the key is to manage the experience in a way that tests people but doesn't break them or leave them bored. In my experience, getting this part right is where many people can struggle. The point of this podcast is to help people to struggle less. However, one key thing that can make delivering adventure difficult that we need to address right at the start is that adventure is very subjective. Each of us has a different level of risk tolerance and resiliency. I call this a sense of adventure. Adding to this is that we all perceive and remember events differently. This can mean that two people that experience the exact same thing can walk away with completely different memories And perspectives of the event afterwards. As an aside, what can make it even trickier is that over time, those different viewpoints can actually drift further apart as we retell the stories to ourselves. Now, Jordy, let me share an embarrassing story to highlight the point of subjectivity. The story is also an example of what I hope listeners will hear going forward, which is honest, real-life experiences that we can all learn from. 20 years ago, I was guiding part of a corporate group around Blackcomb Mountain. The group consisted of five advanced intermediate skiers. It was the second day we'd been together and we had already done quite a bit of adventurous skiing. The weather was overcast, and it had snowed all morning. Just after lunch, we met up with another part of our group. This group consisted of three snowboarders who were being guided around by a snowboard instructor. Just after we met up, the clouds lifted a bit, and it stopped snowing. Seeing this, the other instructor and I decided that we should try to take our group down the Blackcomb Glacier. The Blackcomb Glacier is an advanced run that travels down an alpine valley. It is one of the signature runs in Whistler, and on a nice day, the experience is phenomenal. We put our idea to the group, and they agreed to head up to the top of the mountain and then descend down the glacier. When we arrived, it was around 2 p.m., and we had the run to ourselves. It was a high overcast, but the light was okay. It was about 15 centimeters of untracked snow, and everyone was excited. Standing at the top of the glacier, this seemed like a great idea. As it would turn out, though, that would be the last happy moment I would have that day. The first person that went down the beautiful untracked run made three great turns before promptly crashing and losing one of their skis. One thing I found is that when skis come off in deep snow, it is like they can have a mind of their own and they rarely seem to end up being where you think they should be. 20 minutes went by before a ski patrol arrived and found the ski. Relieved, I helped my student to get her skis back on so that we could catch up to the rest of the group who were waiting below us. Unfortunately, by that point, The weather had closed in again, and the light had become quite flat. It became very difficult to pick out the features in the snow, and at some points, I couldn't even tell if I was moving. To make things worse, some of the members of the group started to get quite tired. This slowed us down even more. Instead of delivering a beautiful experience, the run had turned into what felt like a never-ending marathon of suffering. When we finally reached the bottom of the mountain, it was 4.30 and getting dark. This is when a curious thing happened, however. At this point, half of the group, including myself, saw the experience as a complete misadventure. I felt terrible for what had happened, and I felt personally responsible, which, in fact, I was. However, the other half of the group loved it. They love the adversity and the challenge. The same experience ended up being seen completely differently by two groups of people based on their sense of adventure. From my perspective, I would never have done that again. And I haven't. As a guide, I was trying to deliver an experience that was a 10 out of 10 for me when a 3 out of 10 experience would have made them much happier and would have been far less complicated and far less stressful for everyone. However, when it comes to delivering adventure, knowing how much risk to take, how much adversity people are willing to push through, and how to manage the experience so that it is seen as being positive afterwards by everyone, takes experience and awareness. Sorry, Jordy, that was a long-winded answer to what should have been a simple question. So let me turn this around and ask you, how do you define an adventure and what does delivering adventure mean to you?
1: Well, Chris, to me, delivering, well, defining an adventure is an adventure, something that's challenging. Yes. If it's not challenging, I kind of categorize it more as an experience and I've had lots of great experiences, um, but it's not until it feels like there was some sort of a challenge and maybe a bit of adversity, but it doesn't even have to be a lot of adversity, just like, you know, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally um, challenging and, and a bit, a bit out of my comfort zone, um, you know, not too far out of my comfort zone is, is what an adventure is to me. And then delivering adventure is really what I've strived to do for my entire career as a guide. It's uh, it's trying to find for an individual or a group, because that can happen too, right? Where you've got a group of people who all are on different pages and it's tr- trying to figure out what is going to be best for them. And they might not know what is best for them. They've never been in the backcountry. They've never been uh on a rock climbing crag before you know they've never hung on a rope and trusted that and so trying to figure out uh on the scale of challenging how challenging actually is this for them uh and so it's not a lame adventure uh or non-adventure for them they're like well you know we we went to the rock climbing crag and tried tried rock climbing for the first time and it was like climbing a ladder and there's no point in doing it anymore because I've experienced it now. And that's the thing is it was was an experience. So just, you know, sort of bringing them up through progression where they can get to the point of a feeling of accomplishment, but also that continual recognition that there is more and that they leave that experience or that adventure uh, as being kind of a bit more hungry for more and not wanting to just say, either been there done that or been there tried it terrified and I'm never going there again
0: so Jordy you've guided people in heli skiing backcountry skiing and climbing adventures in many different places based on your experiences you must have some great stories of adventures that you've had is there one that you can share with our listeners that helps to set the stage of what they can hear more of going forward
1: uh well I've had a number of them, Chris, but one that comes to mind is uh climbing El Capitan in Yosemite Valley uh via a, a big wall rock climbing route there. Uh I was down there uh climbing with a friend and I recall we were both kind of part way through our mountain guide training courses and I, I was feeling pretty strong as a rock climber, but I hadn't done really much for big wall climbing and um it's it requires different techniques, and you're placing a piece of gear in a crack and then standing on it instead of free climbing and pulling yourself up and then you're getting as high as you can, and you're placing another piece and so we're we're talking you know like a thousand meter three, you know three thousand foot wall there and uh and we didn't choose to do one of the easiest routes we we climbed the shield route um which is. I think it's rated A3 plus out of a scale of five um, in terms of aid climbing, being the A. And so, yeah, it's kind of up there. And uh, I also, I placed a lot of protection in rock, uh, but often not with the inte- not with actually testing it uh, when you're free climbing, right? And you're, you're climbing up and placing a piece and clipping the rope and climbing up past it. And it's there as safety if you fall. And ideally, it's a very good, strong piece, and each each piece is. Uh, so I felt pretty good about that, but I hadn't actually fallen on every piece uh, to that point. And so now we we launched and we spent five days standing on every piece, uh, and some of them pretty funky too, like uh, placing a mashie for the first time, which basically is a piece of malleable metal on the end of a copper swedged copper or a swaged um cable and uh so you're you're sort of mashing that in to an open book style not even a crack you're just molding it in to a space in the rock and then trying to stand on that tentatively and recognizing that if you place a couple of those if you fall one pops the one you've, you're waiting then the other one you're probably going to get up you know a kind of half a meter to a meter head of steam as you head downwards and then quite possibly pop the next one. And then, yeah, momentum starts to build up with those not great pieces. And so, and and on that route, there's really not much for ledges either. So we were portal ledge camping, uh, hanging off of the bolt anchors uh, for five nights or four nights, five days, I guess it was. And uh, yeah, we, we had the benefit of, it was a, it was a beautiful five days in California, in the Yosemite Valley. But it came right after a big storm and so uh, where it snowed in may i think it was we were there and it snowed right to valley bottom and uh, the walls cleared off people you know some a bunch of people got rescued Uh, and so there was actually nobody above us on a fairly popular route Um, and so we we launched in in sunshine but with with water running down from from still meltwater and so as we were placing placing gear it was com- coming down our arm to to through our armpits for the first little bit but then you know things dried off in the california sun and and uh yeah we're hanging hanging there on our belay seat um taking turns le- leading and uh listening to music and eating canned food out of the out of the haul bag and hauling all of our water with us and yeah quite quite an adventure really um yeah you know just and and quite special to be you know, climbing for five days and then seeing everybody starting to come out below us and start climbing up towards us, uh, following us up the wall. It was really neat.
0: Okay, Jordy, that definitely qualifies as a big adventure. Thinking about how high off the ground you would have been there made me very, very nervous. I've done a bunch of rock climbing in the past, but there's a big difference between top roping in Squamish and big wall climbing on El Capitan. So let me ask you a follow-up question. When it comes to adventure, how would you define your philosophy?
1: For delivering adventure, it's got to be safe. And so then it comes with the, you know, you don't always have that safety net, like literally a safety net below you when you're at height. And so it's like, how how am I going to do this to deliver adventure to a person or a group, uh, have them feel like, there's risk, Uh, but really there's, I know there's very little to almost no risk. Um, And so that's, that's the catch is, is how, how do you find something that's challenging for somebody uh, or for a group who all want sort of different things or at different levels? Uh, And so that's where it's kind of a combination. It's, it's the adventure, but it also has the experience flow. So for, for some people, even if they feel like it wasn't quite the adventure that they were looking for it was still an excellent amazing experience and so I'll turn that around now to you Chris when it comes to delivering adventure what's your personal philosophy on that
0: yeah Jordy my philosophy is very similar to yours but before I get there I think it's important to talk about why we need adventure in the first place For most of us, the adventures that we have are often remembered as being some of the best moments of our lives. They help us to grow, and they allow us to improve. This is why I consider the ability to deliver adventure to be a serious business, although it is often a lot of fun in the process. So viewed through this lens, my philosophy of adventure delivery has changed over time. When I started teaching skiing in the early 1990s, I spent two seasons in Sunshine Village in Banff, just down the road from where you live, Jordy. At that time, the mantra among my colleagues was to go big or go home. The philosophy was that you should get out there, put your big person pants on, push past your fear, and go for it. Worrying about the consequences was something we really didn't talk about. We also certainly didn't spend much time thinking about whether the decisions we were making were good or not, and we absolutely didn't reflect upon the decision-making process that we used. Back then, traits like good judgment, foresight, and just being responsible really weren't that celebrated. As a result, I did plenty of dumb things, and so did many of my peers. Most of us got away with them, but some didn't. I've watched a lot of my peers end up getting hurt, getting their clients hurt, having super stressful days, having unhappy clients, and having to deal with stressful situations. Fast forward 30 years, and my view of risk-taking has changed a lot. For me now, my philosophy is to go big and make it home. When I say go big these days, I'm referring to the idea of pushing yourself outside your comfort zone, but not so far as to lead to disaster. As you rightly noted, Jordy, adventure should be exciting, not terrifying. The whole point of an adventure is for it to be a positive experience. This is how we grow and improve. People rarely get better at anything if they are in survival mode the whole time. They also rarely enjoy experiences or experience personal growth if they spend too much time being terrified, demoralized, frustrated, or embarrassed. It also won't be much of an adventure if you get hurt, lost, or worse. I think that we should all try to go big in the sense that we are pushing ourselves to do new things, to be better or to go farther. But the goal should be to finish in better shape than when we started. When it comes to delivering adventure, success is making it home.
1: Uh, One piece of advice that I have for uh, our, our listeners is uh I just uh I wrote an article for Gripped Climbing Magazine a Canadian climbing magazine and it was advice for climbers um it had a bunch of safety messaging in it but one of the things really is uh is take baby steps uh in in your adventure uh in seeking adventure uh so don't go big as you said there Chris you know I totally agree don't go big right away that's uh that tends to move you more towards a higher probability of misadventure and so set yourself up for success by taking these smaller steps and working your way up, gain those base level skills and confidence. And it might it might not feel like a lot of adventure right at the start. And that's fine because you're kind of in that educational learning phase. Uh, and that's that's the patience piece that, that comes in where, uh, again, you have misadventures if you are not patient. Uh, so be patient and always, always think we could come back and do this another day or today's not the day to do that, but we could do something else and have, have a, have a list, like actually create a list and keep it with you. Um, you know, our phones do that nicely for us now. And so then you don't have to be, you know, you're heading towards objective a, and it's like, uh, I'm starting to get the feeling this isn't going to work out or we're starting too late or the weather's not great. And so then you can just very quickly for, with your decision-making go to a plan B or C, uh, that you already have listed out. And it really helps your decision-making to have, have that list in front of you. And then uh, you can also see your progression as you're going through. Okay, well, I've ticked that. Now I want to do this as my next adventure when it's appropriate and when I have the skill set.
0: So, Jordy, in your career as a rescue specialist, you have seen a lot of misadventure. What do you think stops people from being able to achieve an adventure? Like, what are those obstacles?
1: Well, Chris, I've responded to uh, quite a few incidents uh, in a variety of environments. So everything from water to uh, mountains, glaciers, avalanche issues, um, lost, missing people, uh, people that have wanted to go missing and not be found, parked their car and disappeared out of society. But they didn't tell us that. So we searched for them for quite a while before the police figured that out, um, that actually they weren't even there anymore or in the country. So, Chris, the common things, uh, themes that I've seen uh, in terms of people having misadventures uh, is lack of communication, not being prepared, uh, biting off more than, way more than they can chew, uh, you know, with big day and on bad weather, uh, and just um, not having, uh, sometimes it's just common sense. And and it's strange because when things start to go sideways, common sense can actually—you know—what is, you know, me saying is, as as the the searcher or the rescuer? Oh wow, why didn't you just do this? Um, the reality is, people do stop thinking in kind of straight linear fashion, um, just in general, and doing things that they wouldn't otherwise do. Some of the other reasons why people have misadventures and and don't uh, don't do well in their Quest for adventure um, is is uh, group communication issues, uh, disagreements. Uh, people have different expectations right from the start, but they don't really get get into it with each other before the trip. And one person is summit or summit or plummet, and the other the other person is like, no, I could have turned around a long time ago, uh, and just not being on the same page.
0: So, Jordi, you're totally right about setting expectations and making sure that everyone's expectations and goals actually line up. Aside from that, what do you think is one of the most common mistakes that people can make?
1: Well, Chris, really, uh, I think a big part of it is planning or or lack of planning. Um, and that, that can be from... Uh, trying to do too big a trip without having the, the experience or the skills. It could be uh, not bringing the correct equipment. It could be not reading the conditions right or going out when the weather is really poor or you know trying to do a, a, a big hiking trip when there's actually a lot of really punchy snow. Um, and so it's, it's uh, a few things will make that worse. And one is not having very good communication uh, and nowadays, there's really no excuse not to have communication. I think multiple forms of communication is really what's recommended. Um, and having the ability to to get out to the outside world just really gives you, if you're having a bad time of it and things are going poorly, just being able to let someone else know that where you are on the planet and that things are going poorly really gives you a, a big sense of relief. Uh, and it doesn't seem important until... It is. And people say, well, that costs money and there's, you know, the service and the device to buy or rent or whatever. But really, um, it it does suck to get rescued. No doubt about it. But what's even worse is not getting rescued if you need to be rescued. And I I can say that as a rescue specialist that has been rescued myself. Um, You know, you can say, oh, I I know everything about everything or I'm very prepared even. But when you when you need it, you need it. And uh, and that's what the services are there for, uh, but then on top of that, be prepared to be out on your own for a period of time. Uh, so, like, I, re- I recall going down into the Grand Canyon um, on a hike, and I was probably over prepared. I had a satellite phone, I had extra bottles of water. I love at the Grand Canyon at the visitor center how they rate the trips on uh, the board. It has a number of sandwiches and the number of water bottles. Bigger the trip. More sandwiches, more water bottles. They've really broken it down, and uh, but you know, seeing that at the visitor center there, maybe really realize we're in this desert environment, which changes through elevations, and we're going down. And then there's all these signs that say, "What goes down must come back up," or "Down is optional and up is mandatory," uh, which which is also great, right? And it's all the signage kind of catches your eye, and you're like, "That's for a reason," because they do have a huge number of rescues. And so I, I go out with the idea that I don't want to be one of those people that is, uh, is uh, using the system, you know, for rescue. Uh, however, that I can call for rescue if I need to be rescued. Chris, going forward, what can our listeners expect to hear on this podcast and how will that help them? If you're
0: listening to this podcast going forward, you're going to hear top experts from across the adventure industry share the inside perspective on how you can deliver better adventures to yourself, your friends, your family, and as a profession. What makes this podcast unique is that it is going to be like the backstage pass to the adventure delivery industry. Jordy, the people that you and I are talking to, they're not just our guests, they are our peers. Many of these people are people that we have worked with, We've worked for, trained, admired, or we can relate to. We can relate to their struggles, their experiences, and their achievements. Because in many cases, you and I have been in a similar situation. This is what has already allowed us to have very open, honest, and informed conversations. Because of this, We're going to hear what those top experts in the field are thinking, how they manage real-world situations, what advice they wish they knew when they started, what mistakes they've made, what they have learned from them, and most importantly, what they want you, the listener, to know. Because these people care. They love what they do, and they want you to love it too. They want to help you to succeed, and so do we. This is why we have launched this podcast.
1: Yeah, Chris, and if people are aspiring to get out outdoors and have adventures and uh, and be an adventure leader of any description, this is going to be, we're, we're hoping this can be very, very helpful for them uh, to have that inside track on the adventure sports, outdoor adventure industry. And really our focus is not, it's not just um one type of you know adventure you know just mountain stuff or just water stuff uh we're going to be talking to people from all parts of the industry um we're really focusing on um on having a good diversity of people and activities uh so that you're not just hearing about well how to be a better ski coach or how to be a better uh mountain guide uh it's going to be very di- very diverse
0: Yeah, Jordy, those are a couple of really good points. Just to add on to what you're saying, as you mentioned earlier, most podcasts that specialize in adventure talk about people, places, or activities. What makes this podcast different is that it is going to examine the how. How can we deliver better adventures to ourselves and others? This commitment to the how is represented in our logo which is actually the blueprint of how to deliver adventure. You can find out more about that on our website. Going forward, if you're an enthusiast, you will get to hear what the pros are doing. If you are a professional in the adventure industry, you will get to hear what your peers are doing. We've spent much of this episode sharing our ideas about adventure. Now, let's turn it over to you, the listener. What do you think? What does adventure mean to you? More importantly, we'd like to hear how we can help you to deliver adventure more easily, more often, and more efficiently. You can reach us through any of our social media feeds or send us an email. You can find all of our contact details at deliveringadventure.com. Also, don't forget to follow or subscribe through your favorite streaming service so that you don't miss out on future episodes. To finish off this episode, we're going to play a few of the comments about adventure that we've recorded from some of our upcoming guests. In order, they are Sarah Hunican, Barry Blanchard, Tracy Fraser, Greg Hill, and Lindsay Dyer. Thanks for listening. I guess to define adventure would be something
2: you don't know the end result of. (laughs)
1: I guess it starts with a curiosity and um, has an element of unknown.
2: You don't get adventure without suffering. If you are going... To West Edmonton Mall and getting on the roller coaster ride, or doing it in California or United States, wherever you do it, Callaway Park here in Alberta, um, yeah, you you will feel an adventure, but uh, there's a significant uh, difference between, you know, how uncomfortable you're going to be, and then also how much risk you're exposed to. So for me. Suffering is a necessary part of adventure as is risk. And the difference I would draw between the roller coaster ride and true risk is that the roller coaster ride is a thrill. You're not supposed to get hurt on the roller coaster ride. It does happen very, very occasionally, but it's not supposed to happen. Whereas mountains are real risk. And you can be hurt in a number of ways at almost any time.
1: Adventure, I think, feels new and fresh and calm and exciting.
0: A lot of times, for me, adventure is a bit of a solitary experience. So I may be traveling with a group of people, but it's something that, for me, I'm going to take away from myself. Deliver it, I think, you know, I think about it, when I'm thinking about delivering adventure, it's taking a group of people um, safely somewhere where they might have been before or might not have been before, where they're going to feel the feeling of, wow, you know, this is neat. This is cool. This is something I might not have done before. And again, I think there's a memory component to it. They take a memory away with them.
1: That's what guides do is we deliver adventure by taking people into areas that they wouldn't be able to go on their own, and and we, we allow them to push their boundaries in a, in a comfortable setting because it's quite hard For most people to really push their limits over through fear or or just uncertainty and once you have somebody that's certified and qualified and spent years honing their skills um, is that they put a huge amount of trust in us that allows them to push their limits and and that's kind of our goal is to take them and push their limits and take them to just these incredible places and I mean I personally love it all winter long when i'm when i'm guiding ski touring is where yeah you just know that you're taking somebody to a place they wouldn't go and to them it just feels adventurous and like i mentioned that the whole guiding thing it really is it just allows them to enjoy the adventure without all the anxiety and worry and, and stress that would come if they were trying to do it on their own and um we kind of free them from a lot of the worries so they could fully embrace the adventure yeah so adventure to me it's called life. (laughs) You know, I love that, that quote that says it's not an adventure until something goes wrong. And, uh, I think, I think that's life is stepping out into the unknown and problem solving and recognizing that you can do more than you thought that you could. And that can happen on a mountain or it can happen in everyday life. And so I think, you know, I think it's just a mindset.